The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome to today's episode of the Minding My Black Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Janae Taylor. On today's episode, we have my friend Andrew joining us. Andrew, Andrew Jato, is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Virginia, where he provides counseling services to adults, children, and family. He's also the founder and CEO of his company, Mile Marks, that's dedicated to developing creative products that promote healthy social and emotional development in both children and adults. Please make sure that you visit his website, which is milemarks.com for more information. And Mile Marks is spelled M-Y-L-E-M-A-R-K-S. All right, family. Let's give Andrew a big old welcome as he joins us for today's episode. Welcome to Mindy My Black Business. All right, welcome to a new episode of Mindy My Black Business. And today we have a very special guest with us. It's a friend and a colleague, Mr. Andrew Jato. So welcome. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Of course. Glad that you could be here. Although you didn't have much of a choice. Nope. What? Wait a minute now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited for us to have this conversation about what it means to, um, or the business of being black while being in business. Because I think these are conversations that we have quite often um, without it being recorded. And so I think it's time to record one of these conversations. So that everybody can hear and share and at some point in this larger conversation. Let's do it. All right. So before we do that, can you talk to us a little bit more about your businesses and provide some information as to why? Why? why sure. Yeah. So I own and operate two businesses. Uh, so the first business I started in 2015, and it's a company called Mile Marks. And so with that company, what I do is create resources and tools for parents and professionals uh, working with children, trying to instill um, healthy social, social and emotional um, growth. And the second business that I have is the private practice I'm here in Virginia Beach, and so I do individual counseling, couples counseling, uh, family counseling. My primary population that I enjoy working with is um, with children and their families, Um, but I do have a very diverse uh, caseload, and I do enjoy it all. Okay. What's the name of the private practice, Andrew? The name of the private practice is the Andrew Chateau Counseling Services. Okay. Yeah. And how might they find both of these businesses? So Mile Marks, um, if you go to www.milemarks.com, um, that is the website. We also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash milemarks, and Twitter as well, twitter.com slash milemarks. And soon we'll have a Pinterest page. Um, and then I know, right? <laughs> and then for the private practice, it is www.zandrewchateau.com. Um, So that's the website. I also do have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash CAndrewJatoCS. So visiting those websites will take you to the social media pages. 
So please make sure to go and like those pages. Absolutely. So for those who did not have uh, a pen and a sheet of paper in front of you, this information will be included in the show notes um, so that you can get an opportunity to check out and like and visit all those pages and grab those phenomenal resources. So, Andrew. Yep. Why? Why did you decide <laughs> to become a business person? Why did you decide to become a black entrepreneur? Um, that's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> so initially, um, you know, that was something that was scary. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs relate to that, um, particularly in our field. I don't think that we are trained or encouraged to go into business uh, for ourselves. True. And so um, a lot of people just assume that once they graduate, then they'll be working under someone or working at an agency. And so that's how, you know, I started out my career working. Um, I did some in-home case management, and then I worked at a youth partial hospitalization unit. Um, And there I was in charge of um, the skills group. And so I was teaching like anger management, coping skills, um, talking about diversity. And I had a lot of uh, creative control. And one of the things that I noticed um, while I was there as I was trying to pull resources together was that um, there weren't a lot of resources out there, or at least nothing uh, very comprehensive. And so the idea came to me to create my own resources and create my own tools um, to help out parents and to help out other uh, professionals like myself. And so in 2015, I just decided to take that leap and um, create that business. And, um, you know, I have four books that I put out through the business as well. So learning about self-publishing and, um, you know, how to write a book and how to get that published, learning about marketing and things like that was very exciting, but very Um, anxiety-provoking as well. And then with the private practice, um, it was just, you know, being in the field, learning, or trying to figure out a way to still have, um, to get flexibility and get uh, more control over your schedule and control over your caseload, um, as opposed to working at an agency where they sort of determine what uh, what your caseload is supposed to look like and what the demand is supposed to be. And so I decided to pursue private practice because I knew that that also uh, gave me an opportunity to be able to do a variety of things. So rather than just sitting and counseling clients all day, um, I'm able to go into um, different agencies and do workshops or do different presentations. And I'm also able to continue to grow my other business as well. And so... Um, yeah, those are really the, the two uh, reasons for, for starting the businesses. Okay. So it provided some autonomy and you got to drive the ship in terms of how you spent your, Definitely. your day. Yep. Okay. Okay. Was there a financial draw to it as well? Yeah. I mean, the money is good. Yeah, we, um, we trying to be millionaires, <laughs> trillionaires. The money is good <laughs> um, and it's your money, right. um, which is a really good thing. And so I think that's motivating as well, because you know that if you don't market, if you don't hustle, then you don't get money. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you're working a salary position, you can, you know, become more complacent of where you are and right. um, it can be hard to really be motivated. But in um, private practice or just being an entrepreneur, 
you just have to constantly mm-hmm. keep motivating yourself because you right. want to continue to drive in uh, business and you want it to be successful and you want to thrive. So right, right. So money had a little bit to do with it. <laughs> just a little just, bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> well, not a lot, bit. Just I feel bit. you though. I feel you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, now that you shared your vision for your businesses and where you are in that whole process, yeah. I think it's time to have a conversation. Right? Okay. So, what has it been like for you to be black? True. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, be in business. And at the same time, I'm going to make this complicated, be a therapist. So, you're a black man mm-hmm. who's providing therapy, which is, a, which is a complete dynamic within itself. But then you're doing it in a space where you own the business. You are the brand. You are the business. Yeah. Also. But what has that experience been like for you? Um, it has been a very um, interesting experience uh, for me. I think when you get into business for yourself and just depending on the type of company you have, you have a choice of how visible uh, you want to be. So when I created Mile Marks, I had that choice because Mile Marks is mostly an online uh, company. So people don't necessarily need to interact with me in order to receive the um, goods or services that right. that are provided. Um, so E-commerce. Yeah, the, e- <laughs> the e-commerce. So I had the ability to remain hidden, which I did um, for the first couple of years. And so if you went to the page, even the About Us section um, didn't really make mention about me. It just talked about the creation of the business and the mission um, and vision of the business itself. Was that intentional? Yes. Um, and I think, you know, seeing myself in private practice now, that is a different level um, of visibility. So there's really no choice. Um, so I, I can't, I can't hide myself. Um, <laughs> not, not, not if you're providing a service. Now. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're gonna have to. They're going to have to see me. Um, (laughs) Right. So I I couldn't hide behind that um, in private practice. And so seeing that, I I did realize that, you know, my race and gender and just different parts of your identity play a role in business. Right. Um, And you just have to figure out what role that plays and how much of it you're willing to put out there. And so I think with mile marks, I really wasn't confident initially of um, putting myself out there because I wondered whether that might drive business away. So, Hey, this person who's creating these great resources, but then they click on, you know, about us or, Mm -hmm. and see the CEO is this, young black man mm-hmm. and you know what goes through their head do they does my credibility get questioned mm-hmm. um are they like okay maybe these resources aren't as good and mm-hmm. so i was like why take that risk let me just right you know be make neutral it, yeah as make it as, as vague as possible as neutral as possible but in private practice you can't really do that like i said you you have to be visible and you have to um, put yourself out there because eventually you're going to meet uh, individually with the client. Right. And so a, a couple of things that I recognize is, you know, what my identity, you know, being a man, how that plays a role in a private practice. And then also my identity being black and, and what, what do tell? Um, so, Let us know. <laughs> so being a man, um, in this field, there, there aren't a lot of men 
um, out here. That's um, true. And so to me, that's definitely an advantage for people who are looking to work with uh, male counselors. So there are some men who are looking to work on, um, you know, identified men issues um, and then parents who might want a male counselor for their um, right. their young child or their their teenager so i I knew that going into the field that that gave me um, the upper hand as well um, and then you know the whole male privilege aspect of it too so you know whenever people graduate from something people are always like well are you going to take that next step so you mm-hmm. graduate from high school are you going to college mm-hmm. got your bachelor's are you getting your master's yeah um, so i continue to get those questions about you know getting my phd and all the while i was like no <laughs> no thank you yeah um because i mean it's just that's that's a long time to, it is it's a long time to be don't, in school don't take me back there I can't. so i was like no I don't want to do that. But then the truth of the matter is that I didn't need to do that. Um, You know, being a male, I'm aware that when people see me, there also comes a level of competency that that comes with it. Um, You know, uh, assumed competence, you mean? Yeah. Assumed competence that, hey, he must know what he's talking about. He's Mm -hmm. a man. Um, And so, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing that. I was like, who needs a PhD <laughs> when you got when you got male privilege? Uh, so I'm gonna just ride this thing on out. I, I don't even. Uh, I, got, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, I'm absorbing it, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew that within this field, in order to be taken seriously or to be assumed as competent, I, I didn't necessarily need to um, continue with my. Um, education. So I was aware of the privilege that came with that. Um, as far as being black um, and being an entrepreneur, um, you know, with the counseling field, like I said, you just got to uh, put yourself out there. And something that was different about private practice than where I worked before is that in private practice, people choose you. In the previous agency where I worked, you were they were assigned Right. Um, So they really had no choice. The luck of the draw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So no matter what they thought about you being black, what they thought about you being a man, you know, they were assigned and they could request to work with someone else. But, um, you know, something that didn't happen a lot because people didn't want to have that conversation or didn't want to acknowledge well right you know i don't feel comfortable (laughs) yeah because of this reason Mm -hmm. um so in private practice you sort of wonder and not just in our field but just you know as a black entrepreneur you wonder does my race impact people coming to see me yes um (laughs) oh oh, that's rhetorical is that the answer my bad um (laughs) so does my race impact people um wanting to come to my business and It does. I think what makes it difficult is that it's something that we we can't see and we can't measure. Um, So it's not like back in a day where it was blacks only, whites only, uh, where you could see that discrimination. You mean like the placards on the wall? Yeah. Okay. um, Where it was visible and people were more able to speak their minds about how they felt about you, um, even though we are regressing um, towards those right. times. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why. You're I'm not sure why? Not sure what happened. Why people and, are feeling more emboldened to, yeah, to share their racism? January 2019. 
fall thick in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm not Uh sure why um, (laughs) something happened, but I think because (laughs) (laughs) because there isn't that, um, I guess people aren't as blatant um, and things are being more uh, covert now. It's you know, as an entrepreneur, you do sort of have to wonder um, how your blackness plays a role in the you know, business that you get and the referrals that you get. And I know for me, um, that combination of being a black male um, at times can be a turnoff uh, for some people. And I know that there's like as soon as you see me, as soon as you, um, you know, see my picture, there's a lot of preconceived notions and, you know, implicit biases that sort of that roam Mm -hmm. through people's minds, whether they'll say it or not. So turnoff as in like safety like like seeing you as a threat maybe as a black male yeah i mean turn off as in safety turn off as in oh he must not know what he's doing Uh, competence Um, okay and so i i could see that with the clients that i was assigned so where i used to work before was in a university setting um so they would schedule the appointment but they would have no idea who they were seeing right um so they would show up for their appointment and they would sit in the waiting room and so you know if you're sitting in the waiting room and you're about to see a counselor, a lot of people have a preconceived idea of what a counselor is supposed to look like. A white female. Yeah. So white female, mm-hmm. you know, possibly older, younger. I'm not sure yeah, what, what yeah, people are could, thinking, but white right. female. Um, and so I knew that going into the waiting room to get the client, that there would be a reaction mm-hmm. um, when they saw me. And I knew that there would be thoughts going through their heads Mm. um could you see it like on their face like their facial change yeah um so walking into it i you could it's hard to describe the look Mm -hmm. but i think a lot of black people or black entrepreneurs um have seen that look before where people aren't expecting you to be in the position that you're in so Um, is it like disappointment or is it surprise like, like, uh, what are you doing here? Uh, or like, uh, I, yeah, I, I can't explain you don't belong it. Belong or something like that. I'm not even sure to to what extent that is, because um, I think it's something that happens for even me. Like an example that I recall um, one time was um, getting on a plane uh, and getting seated. And the pilot came on and the pilot was talking about the flight plans and it was a female pilot. Mm -hmm. And the thoughts that went through my head was, uh oh, you know, are we safe? Mm -hmm. You know, is she able to do this? What are her credentials? Mm -hmm. And I'm even someone who, you know, I I feel like, you know, I don't discriminate against people Mm -hmm. and, you know, I treat everyone fairly aware. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the power of implicit bias is that we're not used to seeing people in certain roles. And so when that gets challenged, then we do have those thoughts in our mind. And okay, it's you, you teach it to people. Now, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm trying. Okay, I'm trying. We, okay, we'll we talk about implants. Okay, <laughs> let's go. So it's, you know, it's just a matter of whether people are aware that they have that bias or not and whether they choose to treat people differently because of that. Right. Um, so when that happened for me on the plane, I was able to challenge myself and say, you know, why, why am I having these thoughts? Um, and it's something that we're conditioned to yeah, do and condition absolutely. to think. Um, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure the same thing happens when, when I stepped or same thing happened when I stepped into the 
waiting room to go collect the client. And, you know, they had those thoughts of, am I safe? You Mm -hmm. know, does he know what he's doing? How's he going to be able to help me? Mm -hmm. Who is this guy? You also (laughs) have my name. You're also young too. So that's another piece around competency or assumed Mm -hmm. competency. Yeah, um, definitely age uh, played a factor as well. And I think in our field and in other fields where, um, you know, there's a certain relationship that you need to have with the client or a certain trust that needs to be developed. Um, I feel like there's two different levels of trust. Um, so if you're a black um, entrepreneur or if you're a black counselor, mm-hmm. so the first level is, hey, um, how can I get you to believe that I'm competent? How can I get you to believe that I know what I'm talking about? Um, despite all the thoughts that you have regarding my blackness. Um, right. So how can I break that down so that you can be at ease? How can I let you know that I'm safe? This is a safe space. Yeah, this. Um, so not even this is a safe space yet. This is um, I'm a safe person. Oh, yeah, so that first level so I'm is gonna, I'm not going to hurt you. Yeah, I'm not going to hurt you. It's okay. I know what I'm talking about. I got degrees on my wall. Um, you know, I graduated from a, you know, that's a real school. Accredited you know? university. Yeah. <laughs> Accredited right. university. Um, you know, you can check my background. Everything's accessible. Right. Licenses um, on the wall. Yeah. I'm non-threatening. I'm I'm one of, you know, I'm not one of those, um, you know, those uh, immediate thoughts that you have of a black male. You know, I'm, I'm not dangerous. Yeah, I'm not an angry black man. Essentially, is, is the point that I'm trying to get across mm-hmm. because I saw the look in your eyes when I walked in. So let me work really hard to get rid of that right. so that we can move on to the next level of trust. Um, and in counseling, it's all about the relationship that you have with the client. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the second level of trust is do you trust me to? Um, help you with your presenting concern. Mm. Um, can I make this a safe space for you to um, tell me some things that you haven't told other people right. outside of here? So in the in the space in which you are an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. if we're going back to that first level, uh, I'm not an angry black man. Yeah. If if you think about sort of how you how that's put into practice now, now that you own your own business versus when you worked in the agency. Yeah. Does that happen more often now or does that happen to a lesser extent now that you are sort of the, I mean, you get to self-select. As so the I'm business the face owner. of the business. Right. Mm-hmm. And so essentially the, but I'm really trying to ask is, do you put up with all that <laughs> in terms of trying to explain to them that I'm not angry or does it mean like time is money? This is someone who's, who's seeking services. I can provide the service. So let me do what I can to sort of bridge the gap. So to, and there might even be a third option that I can't think <laughs> of right now, but like, what do you do with that now that it's your business that's on the line as opposed to someone's agency to help someone feel safe and working with you? Yeah. Um, so my main thing was that I didn't want to have to, um, experience that level of shock or surprise whenever they saw me. And I wanted people who, um, came into business with me to know what they were getting Um, because you're right. Time is uh, money and I want them to 
already have worked out whatever issues they they might have had so with me being black yeah um so that they know that you know i'm a black male and that's what they're getting um so I, one for me as a you know i don't want to see that i don't want to see that that look of shock and um right. it, it hurts i mean it hurts to to see that to see your competency being questioned to being viewed as a threat and to know that they're having certain thoughts about you whether they might admit it or not right um so i was like okay i don't want that uh, for myself in business so something i've been really deliberate about is just putting it out there that i'm a black male so how do you um, do that so i put my face on oh, everything how to do it <laughs> um so my business card it's got a picture of my face on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Psychology Today profile has my picture on it. Uh, my website front page is my picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all the same picture, by the way. <laughs> That's um, a nice picture. You know, my email address as well. You know, if you email me, um, and some people choose to get in contact with me. You know, when I email them back, the avatar that shows up is, you know, my picture Mm -hmm. as well. And, you know, just knowing that um, for me, I didn't want there to be any confusion. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted them to know that I was a black male. I just wanted to be visible um, from the start. So there's people who have might have gotten referrals, but maybe they didn't get a business card or maybe they hadn't been to my website yet. Um, and then even by talking to me on the phone, they might not readily be like, oh, that's a black male. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I still make sure to direct them to the website. So whenever uh, they complete the I intake see. form, right. as soon as they uh, send it back to me, they automatically get rerouted back to the website. Right. Um, so there are different opportunities for them to know that, hey, mm-hmm. you're about to work with a black male. So whatever your initial reactions are, <laughs> get that all worked out um, before you step into my office so that we can work on, you know, what mm-hmm. the the real issue or the, the reason that you uh, right. came in to, to seek treatment. So would you say that that should be like a standard of practice for black entrepreneurs to, to put their face everywhere? I did it for me because of um, that reaction just has an impact on me mm-hmm. every time. Um, and it's not even in professional situations, but um, certain situations where people aren't expecting you to mm. be black. Right. Um, and I don't want to see that. I don't want to see people being uncomfortable around me and have to wonder whether, you know, it's because I'm black or because of something else. I don't want to want that guesswork. Right. And so for me, the best way to do that was just to let them know from jump that, hey, Mm-hmm. This is who I am. This is what you're, what you're getting. Right. Um, and, you know, I feel like other entrepreneurs, depending on the type of work that they do, I know with counseling, we just have that level of the relationship is just so important. Yeah. Um, so that's if the they're work. viewing you yeah. as a threat, you know, then that's not going to make for, for a healthy uh, right. relationship. But there might be some other uh, jobs or careers out there where that might not be um, the most important thing and where there might be a, a certain level of. Um, you know, you could remain more anonymous or it might be more of a, a good uh, that you provide as opposed to uh, face-to-face uh, I type you. service. So I, I really think it depends on the field. Um, but for me, I just knew 
I, I didn't want, I didn't want that for my business. Um, so just come knowing what you're getting. Right. Um, right. That's, yeah. That's I mean, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, I mean, the name of the podcast is out of my black business. So I, I completely endorse sort of, there you go. I feel like that's another t-shirt. So, <laughs> Uh, for lots of reasons. One, because this is it. Like, this is who I am and don't expect me to be anybody else. Um, and it also feels more like an affirmation for me to, to be able to say these things when I communicate with people what I do and who I work with, um, to be able to say that outright um, sort of with no apologies. Uh-huh. Um, that's a new experience as opposed, you know, it's a new experience given that I'm an entrepreneur as opposed to being in an agency yeah. when I haven't had that level of freedom. So um, I was curious about your take on that. Yeah. I mean, and I know, I mean, we, you guys may not know, but we used to work together at a said university. So I wonder <laughs> if what that experience was like for you, like going and getting clients out, out the waiting room. So what is that? What was that experience like? Well, so I probably was less focused on gender because I think people assume that a woman is going to be their therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was also very hyper-focused on the idea of people feeling as though I was competent to work with them. So the way that I would help that or what I thought was mediating that was just to make sure that they addressed me as Dr. Taylor. So no Janae, I'm not your girl. Mm. We ain't buddies and friends. (laughs) So, (laughs) so for me, that was the thing that is the thing that communicates my level of skill and expertise and competence is this extra, you know, bit of school. I shouldn't call it a bit of school. It was actually (laughs) A journey. But anyway, so uh, that was sort of the tool that I used just right off the bat. So when I went into the waiting room, I would introduce myself as such. Actually, I still do that now. Uh, Introduce myself as such. And if they responded differently, like, oh, hi, Janae. Mm -mm. I said my name was. (laughs) Dr. Taylor. (laughs) I'm willing to have that two-minute awkward, uh, you know, interaction until we get this right. Then we can go back to my office. Um, So that was very important to me to just sort of set that, like, this is who I am and this is how you'll address me. Um, As opposed to Janae, when that really sort of feels like you're trying to strip something from me when I introduce myself one way and you call me by my first name and I didn't give you permission to. So, um, so yeah, that's what I would do is I still do that. I should, I should stop talking in the past cause I still do that. Yeah. Was there um, a certain level of, um, and I know for me to sort of make up for, you know, the two different levels that I talked about the mm-hmm. one, you know, letting them know that I'm safe. There would be certain things that I would do and you know i believe i still continue to do that and you know smile extra bright and be um really really friendly and um try to be as warm as possible and i think in our you know with our field we we have to be warm and we have to be genuine um but i you know have an awareness that sometimes i might try to overcompensate in -hmm. order to really try to make the person feel comfortable with meeting with me first Um, And then the warmness that comes with the counseling process. So I know for you, or I wonder for you, whether that's something that you felt you had to do with the angry black woman stereotype that. You call me angry black woman? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, people. people just in general, that is. In general, there. there is. Ain't nobody got time. No, I'm just a like, stereotype. So. <laughs> not sure if you knew that existed or not. I, but, uh, I, I have been made aware. Okay. On the occasion. Uh, yeah, so that's not a familiar to me. And actually, we've talked about that quite a bit this week with a couple of clients, that, that whole archetype. But anyway, um, so. Yeah, there were things that I do and continue to do. Um, so mostly that looks like I tend to be, um, I laugh a lot if y'all can't tell. I believe I probably laugh like every two minutes yeah, with this current interview, whether it was funny or not. But, um, and that's, I enjoy doing it. I don't know, I come from a family in which that's what we do that's how we communicate so it's not necessarily that i'm doing it more or less when i'm with a client but i notice that it's happening when i'm in session um it doesn't happen inappropriately it's not like they're telling me something cheerful i'm I'm like "Ah, like that's not that's not what i'm trying to communicate at all but i think laughter can kind of help um disarm people Uh or um you know help them feel more engaged and more connected um, one of the other things that I do is, I mean, do you do that extra? Oh, do I like laugh more than I would? Yeah. Like, do you overcompensate? So I already know you laugh. Right. So like... this, this is going to lead to the second point. Okay. One of the things that I try to do, or I feel like I'm getting better about doing is being more direct. Okay. Um, and so more direct about my, what I'm actually, like the intention and talking about what's happening. If I feel like something has shifted in the conversation, then I'll, I'll name it in the room. Um, if I feel like they have sort of pulled away from what we're talking about, or they are questioning me in a way that I feel like has gone beyond, like it starts to feel inappropriate Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, if they want to spend, you know, five, 10 minutes looking at the degrees on the wall, asking me about the university of Georgia, we can do that. Yeah. But is that really what you want to know? And so, you know, sort of being more direct in that way. Um, and then I think the fact that I'm already sort of not necessarily laughing, but you know, that that's part of it. It makes it, that seems to work at least for most, most often is that, one, I'm not. I'm not going to let you talk to me in any kind of way, yeah. um, because my name's on the door. First of all, and <laughs> secondly, um, you will respect me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna respect you, but you will respect me, and I'm gonna create some clear boundaries around what's okay and what's not okay to do in this space. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm gonna respect you if you respect me too. So, um, for me, being direct, um, particularly because the fact that I laugh, that can sometimes confuse people. Um, okay. Um, and what I mean by that is that it's not that I'm laughing inappropriately. I feel like I'm saying this as if I'm like giggling the whole time, but that's not the case at all. Um, but that can be something that bonds people. And sometimes people can feel closer to me than is appropriate. Like we just met and now you feel like we friends yeah. because I'm, you know, listening to your story, responding. And, and then there might be a moment where I need to create a boundary. Like this is not this is not, this is what our relationship is mm-hmm. as client and therapist. And this is what it's not. So for me being direct, um, it's a thing that has, is the tool that I've been using that I don't necessarily do a hundred percent in my personal life. Um, that's a whole nother. <laughs> you don't want to talk about that. No, anyway, you don't want to talk about your personal we're gonna, life. We're going to talk about that later. Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> But in therapy, in session, when I'm doing clinical work, when I'm about the business, mm-hmm. 
I try to be as direct as possible. I feel like that helps me and helps the person that I'm communicating with. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was long. I feel like I talked yeah. about that for like 22 minutes. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say um, are some of the things that you want to do? So, now that we talked about what you have done, are there things that you want to change or include about your sort of standards of practice in terms of the idea of your blackness in business are there things that you want to do more of do less of now that you've had the experience of being an entrepreneur at this point um i think i think it gets kind of tricky um sometimes with things that i might be passionate about or things that are um, impacting me that might get brought into session. And I think as counselors, we have to be aware of um, how much we can say. What are you talking about? Like the election? So things like the elections <laughs> or like the shootings that occur. Um, All the time, every day. You know, the immigration laws and you bans, know, and yeah, bans everything yeah. Um, that do impact me that I wonder if it impacts um, my clients and um, so really I, I have certain views and opinions um, and ideals personally but really the question is how much of that do I bring into um, my business mm-hmm. and so even taking a look at um, you know my social media page for my private practice part of me is wondering you know can I be more the social justice um, social justice, pro-black feminist, um, you know, ally Andrew, or should I be careful and tread lightly um, because that might impact my business? Mm-hmm. So, you know, one, I'm I'm a black male, so that's already out there. Mm-hmm. But would posting or talking about um, black issues would that impact? my business if people were to see that would they be like oh you know he's one of those he's, you know well i was going to ask you do you think there's an expectation that that's what you're going to do since your face is in all these places that you've highlighted do you think people are, are waiting for you to to have those conversations or to start those conversations i i just wonder if people I wonder what they i do wonder what they think and i wonder um i think they sort of are unsure of what they're going to get, um, yeah. whether I'll, I am, a, you know, whether I'll start talking about being pro-black or talking about these social justice issues or, or not. I just really don't know what expectations they right. have. I would love to ask them, like, you know, when you first saw my picture <laughs> or when you decided to work with me, what type of black person did you think I was going to be? <laughs> Um, what type of black person? I mean, what are you I, talking about? I think people, I think people, I do wonder that. You know, yeah. as an entrepreneur, as a black entrepreneur, I wonder what people think of me. I wonder what they assume mm-hmm. when they see my name and you know when they see my picture. Mm-hmm. So I just don't, don't really know. So maybe you could do some kind of survey. <laughs> yeah, with my clients. I'm serious. Nah. <laughs> I mean, at the end, like when you all are uh, terminating, you can send them like a link. <laughs> like for real. What did you think of me? Yeah. Like no, like, I don't know. But I'm saying there might be some way for you to get this. 
Feedback. What were your initial first impressions? I think I'm more curious about the people who choose not to work. Um, oh, with well, I don't me. know how you um, I'm not sure how out. to get that data. Because um, <laughs> they already don't want to talk But, you know, like I said, <laughs> things aren't as blatant or as overt as they used to be. And so um, when people do walk through my door, I'm aware that they did decide to work with me. Um, but there might be times I get referrals from, um, you know, certain counselors who... Uh, might have you know, referred a client that they're working with to work with me and might not have mentioned um, my race or maybe they did or maybe they gave him my business card mm-hmm. and in the heads of the counselors they truly are expecting their clients to follow through um, right yeah, yeah they we might want you to like, stay connected with services yeah they yeah. might be like yeah he's, he's a good counselor yeah right. go see him um, but there's you know, a lot of times where I might get the question, you know, did did anyone follow through? Did anyone call right. you? I'm like, nope. Right. I haven't heard anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, my only assumption is that there was something um, about me that, about my business that kept them from following through. Or maybe they were just scared, Andrew. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, once again, that goes back to... With things being more covert these days, it's just, um, you know, as a business owner, as a black business owner, you can only just assume what might be impacting um, your business. And so I don't want to chalk everything up to uh, my race or my gender, but there's no denying that that does play a role in the number of people walking through um, my doors as, you know, compared to other counselors as well. Right. Okay. So, Andrew, I have a whole nother set of questions, but I'm not going to go into them because I feel like this could turn into like a three hour long podcast. But I will ask when I get around to those next set of questions, Mm. would you mind joining us again so that we might talk about these other elements of identity and business Mm -hmm. and blackness Mm -hmm. and making that money? I'll think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm playing. I'll be back. Next week? Okay. <laughs> tomorrow? What you doing tomorrow? Oh, tomorrow is Friday. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> well, thank you, Andrew. I have uh, truly appreciated you stopping by and sharing your wisdom. Mm-hmm. And um, any parting words for the black entrepreneurs out there who are listening who have either just started their business or maybe they have been thinking about this idea of identity and their brand and marketing and such, mm-hmm. um, or how to sort of would, would how to just sort of be comfortable and all of that. Any words of advice? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, once again, it's real specific to, your field, um, your, it's real specific to your business, but I know for me, putting myself out there has helped me, Mm -hmm. um, putting my face on everything, um, has been beneficial because it, it does weed people out. It does protect me. Um, and you know, it, it takes a lot out of the way already so that when people walk through my door, we're ready to, get started um, on business. So I just encourage people to really just take a look at how you feel, um, you know, your different identities are impacting your business Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, be you, Mm -hmm. you can't change 
who you are. Right, that's how um, you can be. Yeah. You know, don't try to cater to people who aren't willing to accept you um, because those aren't people that that you don't want to do. You know, those are people you don't want to do business with, you know. Right. And so to me, it's be yourself, be genuine, um, and, you know, see where that takes you and hopefully you could be successful being yourself. All right, now. Yeah, you hopefully. Heard it, you heard it from Andrew's mouth to your ear. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, Andrew, what you finna go do for the rest of the day? Um, you know I got what a I client. Want you, you know what I want you to say. I got a client. And, and then after that, uh-huh. I'm going to go mind my black business. Yes! After that. <laughs> I guess seeing a client is minding my black business. Thank you. So Thank you. I will be minding my black business. That was the correct answer. For the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got a choice. <laughs> All right, family, it's been real. We will be talking to you later, and I will be talking to you next week. Thanks. So, for today's mindful moment, talk a little bit about something that has been created just for the Minding My Black Business family. And that is our essential guide. So on the website, MindingMyBlackBusiness.com, you can find the essential guide to Minding My Black Business. It's free. I created it just for us. So I brought that to your attention because there. This is very much in line with the this portion of the show, having this mindful moment, this mindful space, and that this guy just really talks about self-care, and it breaks it down into three components, mind, body, and soul. I think these are the three areas in which you'll find black entrepreneurs do things to make sure that they are um, okay, that they're healthy, that they are in tune with where they want to be. So some examples as it relates to the mind topic is to make sure you have a dedicated office space. Part of that is, although as entrepreneurs, we tend to work maybe some non-traditional hours, maybe even seven days a week, intentionally or unintentionally, it's going to be helpful to make sure that you're drawing some clear boundaries around what areas are okay to work in and what areas should be sacred to the other parts of your life. So that's a tip from the mind section. For body, one of the suggestions is just making sure that you are taking care of yourself. And so what I mean by that is have you taken a break during the work day? Do you sit at your desk and work through lunch? Do you skip breakfast as you get to your office or head to your meeting? Are you doing things in a... Are you making sure that you do things in a pretty systematic and consistent way to make sure that your body has the nourishment um, that it needs to sustain you throughout the day? And then for pieces like soul an example of some of the things that are helpful is to make sure that you connect with your support system in a daily fashion 
And so that could mean that your support system is in-house, that your family is there, and that when I say connect with them, that you really take time to to hear about their day, to share a little bit about yours. And that may or may not con- consist of you talking about your work day. I know sometimes I just say, I don't want to talk about work. I'd rather talk about all the other wonderful things that I hope to do or plan to do. But connecting with our support system can be in person. It can be by text. It can be by email, phone call. Um, just something to, to continue to nourish those relationships because the people in our lives who know the work that we're doing know that we are oftentimes quite busy and some, there might be something that they they need from you, some support they need from you, but may or may not be as open about it. But if you have this connection, this systematic connection, this daily connection, that'll make it easier for them in those tough times to to reach out and be open about how they need your help. And vice versa. If it's just a tough day and you need some help, you need a hug, you need uh, to go out, you need to go take a walk, whatever these people, um, your support system will have you back in that. So connect with that. Nourish those relationships so that they can continue. Um, So those are just some brief um, tips that you'll find in the Essential Guide. Um, And so again, it's broken down into three sections, mind, body, and soul. And you can find it on the website. So I hope you get a chance to check that out because it's meant for you. It's meant for all of us. And as I connect with more entrepreneurs and hear more and get more feedback, because I would also love to hear your feedback. Um, this is a living document. So as I hear and learn about other things, then I'll add to it and we can sort of have this compilation of stuff of all the ways in which black entrepreneurs work to make sure that they are um, happy and healthy physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Because that's my goal in all of this. So I hope you all get a chance to check that out. So if you want to know more, and if you like what you've heard, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on this podcast. Also, please follow us. Don't forget to follow the movement on our website, which is MindingMyBlackBusiness.com, and on our Facebook, Instagram, and now Twitter. Yep, we made it to the Twitter universe. So on Minding My Black Business is Facebook and Instagram. And on Twitter, our handle is Minding My Black Biz, B-I-Z. So I hope you get a chance to check all those things out. And I look forward to, to connecting with you all next week. And peace and blessings to us all.